Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your mega preview pod for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational Storylines. Best bets one and done. Join me to break it all down. Patrick McDonald is here. Patrick, hello. Gentlemen, four wide, Oof. around the turn. It's uh, it's good to be back and talk about API this week. Uh, things are happening. Look who is infiltrating on a Tuesday. Mark Immelman is here. Hello, Mark. Uh, Patrick, I'm just happy to get into uh, the final lap four wide of you. You guys have ditched me for a while, so it's good. It's good to be back with you guys. I'm, uh, man. Look, I have a few, a handful of tournaments that I, I circle on the calendar, and uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational is one of them. We were sick of you beating us up in the one and done. We didn't want you to beat us up in the betting stuff as well. So we were keeping you far, far away from the Tuesday. It's true. It's true. That's really what happened. Kyle Porter is here. And if you are not watching on YouTube, which you absolutely should be, honestly, you don't even have to watch. Just go subscribe. I don't even really care if you watch. But if you're watching. <laughs> Good pitch. <laughs> it's, hey, listen. If you're watching, you are seeing a white swinging Pete hat on the head of Kyle Porter, an elite, elite cap. Yeah, it's 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 an amazing it, uh, Ricky Fowler resurgence. We had like five OSU guys in the top ten on the live leaderboard last weekend. So I gotta <laughs> gotta show my support for uh, for that. Now it's a great hat. Uh, I think you can. They sell them online, huh, Rick? They do. Last time I there is a. I don't think it's the official website, Kyle, but there is a website that sells Oklahoma State swinging Pete, or I guess uh, he's not just yeah, swinging you, Pete. He's he does a lot of things. Yeah, we've we've gone into this before. <laughs> if you Google "swinging Pete hat," they've got uh, they've got them all. And the one, I don't know, I don't see it on here, but they've got one that's like the old school, like nineteen seventy. They've got a Ricky Fowler one on here. Um, so yeah, go check it out. It's good stuff. So, quick question, because I've seen it from far. I haven't seen it close. Does he have a golf club and a pistol in his hand, or just the golf club? Ooh. Just the just a golf club. His pistol is holstered, I believe. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's what yeah. he. Uses to fix ball marks. That's right. Oh, is a is a pistol. Yeah, exactly. He's he's got the pistol within reach, but he is two two hands on the club uh, as he should be swinging it very very well. Gentlemen, we've got oof, we've got so much we've got so much coming in hot here. API the 
fourth official designated slash elevated event of the season, the third in the last four weeks. Patrick, we'll start here with you. We've mentioned this before, 44 of the top 50 players in the world. Um, I, I could really, I'm, I'm really starting to get used to all the top players being in one spot. Why, why didn't we do this before? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fair point, Rick. And as kind of the pseudo commissioner, of the PGA tour yourself have yeah. scheduling rules, events, uh, branding you know, trophies. Others, that might yeah, actually, whatever. that actually might lie on your shoulders. You know, <laughs> why, why didn't you pitch this earlier, Rick? Um, but this is kind of the first event where it feels like the players are adding to their schedule, right? Patrick Cantlay has never played here. Justin Thomas hasn't played here in a while. Xander Shoffley. Uh, so I'm interested to see kind of this, this feels going to be different. Like the Genesis was always going to be the Genesis. Phoenix was always going to be Phoenix. But this is the week I think that you're actually going to feel the designated status uh, with with the tournaments. You know, Rick, what Patrick says there is so true because back in the day, you know, when some when I was young and your kids were, you know, toddlers, um, this was a designated event without being designated because it was Arnold's event and everyone came and played. Um, then it. I wouldn't say it lost its luster, but sadly, when Mr. Palmer passed away, folks kind of took it off the calendar. And you had the regulars like Ricky and Rory and Jason Day and Ernie. Uh, they, they'd sort of come and play a little bit out of deference to Arnold Palmer. And, and I think the fact that everyone's back now and it's designated just kind of reestablishes it to the event that it truly is, which is one of the preeminent tournaments on a great golf course on the PGA Tour. Yeah, we've got the graphic up here, as Patrick alludes to. John Rahm making his second start. Cantlay, his first. Xander, his second. JT, his first since 2015. Jordan Spieth, uh, just his second start. Kyle, I think you were kind of getting at this a bit on Twitter last week, but I, I think there was a general concern around the elevated events and the others, the other events, the Honda Classic, what we saw last week. I, I have to admit, I think this is going better than I anticipated. I think it's probably going better than what the PGA Tour anticipated. There, there's a there's a thing in sport where you have expectation, and if you can exceed expectations, you've done a great job. My expectations for the Honda Classic are not very high, and when you get great storylines, and it's Chris Kirk, and it's Eric Cole, and it's all these other – like as long as we know what we're getting ourselves into when the week starts, I'm cool with it, and there's still an opportunity for those expectations to be exceeded. I mean, didn't you say this at Phoenix, Rick, where you were talking about identity, you know, and you, and you sort of articulated and I, and I agree. I thought this was a great way to say it is that every event needs an identity. Now you were talking more specific than probably what we've seen, right? Uh, the lean into the 10th hole at Riviera or right. um, I, I can't lean into how difficult Bay Hill is. I, I don't know, whatever, like whatever the thing is, you were talking about a very specific identity, but I think, in a lot of ways, the elevated or designated versus non-designated has provided a sort of identity like within a, uh, a group of events. And I think that identity has really, uh, it's provided some, for me, yeah, I said, here, here's what I said on Sunday. It's provided uh, some context for the tour as a whole. And I think one of the problems that the tour got into and understandably so, but one of the problems that Tour got into over the last 20 years as Tiger brought all this money into the, into the league is they tried to um, expand and keep uh, having more and more and more and more events. 
because that's what their members want them to do, right? And the problem with that is that when you dilute something, everything looks the same. And when everything looks the same, there's no context. There's no ability to kind of move up and down the hierarchy. And we see it this week very clearly. Eric Cole finishes second last week. He's into the Arnold Palmer field. That's a freaking big deal. It would have been a big deal before last year, like, like Patrick said, but it's an even bigger deal now because what if Eric Cole goes out and finishes in the top five or the top 10 of a $20 million event? All of a sudden, that's, that's like life-changing stuff for him. And that is really good context that we didn't have as much of before. And I think the tour could have even more of in, in the future. Yeah. So I think we are, I think we're doing a lot better than uh, at least I originally thought just a couple of elevated events in and Patrick, there's no shortage of names here at the top of this field. Uh, I'll start with Rory McIlroy. He's been, he's been kind of pinballed around in the world rankings uh, recently, three starts ago. He was the number one player in the world. Two starts ago, he was the number two player in the world. One start ago, after his most recent start, he was the third-ranked player in the world. So he's got uh, every spot on the podium taken care of in his last three starts. Uh, only Rory has a disappointing Phoenix and Riviera by finishing inside like the top 30 of, of, of both of them. But he's looking to get his footing at a place he's generally dominated at. World number three, Rory McIlroy. You have to wonder what's wrong with him, right? Uh, <laughs> what's, what's gone wrong? Probably. <laughs> He's broken. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, but it was kind of kind of just some, you know, putting mishaps there on the West Coast. Tita Green, he seemed fine and dandy. I think he was leading Tita Green halfway through the Genesis uh, before he kind of skirted off there on the weekend. And like you said, this has kind of been his playground throughout the years. No finish worse than T27 uh, in eight prior appearances, I think. 2018 win. And just always seems to factor. And it's just a driver's paradise. You think about when Bryson kind of overpowered this place. Uh, you have Rory, you have Tiger winning here eight times. So if there's ever a spot for Rory McIlroy to, I guess, relatively get right, he still has four wins in his last 15 worldwide starts, uh, <laughs> which is kind of good. Uh, it, it would be this week at Bay Hill. Well, I, just to jump in here, I think there is a, you know, he hasn't played poorly, but compared to your – Morikawa's and your Homas and your Roms. He hasn't played particularly great. You know, he won in Dubai, which was good. That's not a, you know, tremendous worldwide event. Um, so I think, I think it's a, like a decently kind of big stretch for him. These next, whatever, f four weeks before the masters. Cause you got this, you got players, you got match play. And really, I mean, for him, it's the Masters is the one that matters. So, how is he playing leading into that? Uh, I think I think that's I think th this next four weeks is is kind of big for Rory McIlroy. Yeah, just committed to the match play officially. I saw on Twitter. I think last year was was the match play the week before the Masters last year. No, they would never do no, that. No. but he Rory missed the, he missed the cut at the Texas Open. But he did okay. He did play the week prior though, which is something he hadn't done historic yeah he and that was the week that he or the i think for the masters he changed his ball right he, he changed the ball after the texas open because he was i forgot what the deal was it, it spin or i don't know he went back to an old uh i think taylor made tpx ball yeah ball okay. he went back to a ball that spun more make the way there you go hmm. pretty good uh mark you've once said 
that Rory McIlroy could roll out of bed and finish inside the top 10 at Eastlake. I would argue same can be said <laughs> about here at Bay Hill. Let me read you just the last handful of years. T13, T10, T5, T6, victory, T4. We've got the graphic up on the screen. This is uh, a place where the DNA of Rory McIlroy certainly thrives. Yeah, despite his, as Patrick calls it, slump. Um, <laughs> I, I had to battle really hard with myself not to pick him in one and done this week. Um, I was on hand for uh, back in the day radio um, when he won back in 17, I think it was, and he put together a 64 that I think I've said it on the show before. Um, that is probably one of the best rounds I've ever got to call in my life. Just the way he played and stuff. And I remember saying to him afterwards, and now I, I'm going to share this with you guys and probably scare myself. But as I was about to interview him, my producer comes in my ear and he goes, Rory led in every strokes gain, major strokes gain category to win this tournament. <laughs> and he wasn't even in the final group, just, just bear in mind, okay? And so I pointed it out to him and I remember him saying in the interview, and he looks down at my clipboard and he goes, well, that's good. I guess that's pretty good. And then, then he said, but you know what? The golf course just fits me. And, and, and I just, I feel comfortable around here. And it's something about the shape of the holes. You know, a lot of the holes around this place, there's trouble down the left-hand side. I mean, by my count, there's like seven of them. So almost, I mean, I could argue that half of the holes have all the trouble on the left. And Rory likes to draw it. But a lot of holes turn from right to left, kind of in Arnold Palmer's style. So when he sets up on the tee, he feels like he can swing away, even though there's trouble down the left-hand side. And man, that 64 he shot, it was freaking virtuoso. And and he drove it great, hit his irons well. He just seems to read the greens down there well, too. So, look, uh, he's an attractive prospect <laughs> at Bay Hill this week, even though he hasn't had his best stuff just yet. Uh, it reminds me a bit, Kyle, of – so I, I must admit I, I finally got around to watching the eighth episode of Full Swing, which I, I had been putting off because I felt once I had watched it, I, I was done. Right. I, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to look forward to it. And one, your bucket hat is just pure top notch stuff. Yeah. My wife loved that. I love I it. I think her, her, her response was, you're going to be in 200 million homes and that's what you're, that's the thing that you chose to wear on your head. So <laughs> that was good. It was beautiful. I re, I rewound it a, a handful of times. The, the other thing is Rory kind of talked about, um, you know, playing with freedom and what that allows him to do, especially when it was the tour championship and he was at times nine shots back. I think he made a triple out of the gate on hole number one. And, and when he gets to play with a little bit of freedom, when he gets that bounce in his step, it's really scary stuff for everybody, but that's, that's the sick part about golf, right? Is you can't, you can't trick yourself into playing with freedom. Yeah. Um, no, you can't. And I think Rory has reached the stage in his career where the freedom for him in non-majors comes pretty easily. Like, I, I don't know that there's a non-major that's really that big of a deal. I mean, obviously they're all competitive and, and, um, th they've become, especially this year, really, really good events. But I don't think there's anything that really like mentally affects him in non-majors. And so that's why, that's why you want to see again over these next three or four weeks. Like I was just looking at his history at Genesis and, and Phoenix. It's not amazing, but these were two of his kind of lower half performances. Uh, if you just look at his, uh, stops at, at both of those events. So um, 
all that to say, like, I, I think he needs to get a little bit of momentum going into the Masters because that is where he's mentally affected. That is where you see more of the uh, the lack of freedom that he plays with show up. And I think he needs to mentally and physically be like really kind of feeling himself going in. I mean, what, let's say he wins two of the next three and then all of a sudden it's like you have so much momentum and so much mental like confidence going into Augusta, which he hasn't has he really had that? I guess when he won the uh, players in 2019, maybe. Well, you know what else? I mean, if he wins two of his next three, you know what else, what else that will create is a lot of a lot of expectation and a lot of Rory McIlroy career Grand Slam conversation. Yeah, maybe maybe that works the other way. Maybe that's maybe that's bad for him. I, I don't know, um, but I. I yeah, I'm I'm excited for this week. I'm excited for players. I think that you know just to to gather all these guys and and we said it coming into this year, right? We said uh, the thing that we were looking forward to most was, was these elevated events. And I think like Patrick said, you especially see it at post Riviera and Phoenix. Cause those are always pretty good fields. This one's up there too. You'll really see it at heritage and like Wells Fargo. Those will be, those will be fields where you're like, Whoa, like this is, this is kind of disorienting, but um, yeah, I'm excited for this week. I'm, I'm interested to see if I think we all probably believe that Rory's going to top 10 and kind of do his usual thing at Bay Hill. If he puts well, he'll win. But if he doesn't, I think there's, I don't know. I think there's some kind of interesting talking points going into, uh, the rest of March and into April. The man in the middle of the John Rom Rory McElroy sandwich of world golf rankings is Scotty Scheffler. Patrick and uh, Scotty's just like refuses to lose golf tournaments. So he obviously four wins last year went for his first title defense ever in Phoenix. Yeah. Check that one off. That one's done. What if, if he, if you were to successfully defend four titles in it, that should be, that should be the Scotty slam. Like Those four, four titles, especially. Yeah. That, that's a Scotty slam. If you, if you successfully defend four titles in one year. Yeah, I, I wonder how many people, uh, professional golfers, have a 100% successful defense rate. Well, zero, right? Well, actually, hold on. No, it would be – is there an active player who has won the same event twice? Maybe Matt Every. Matt Every, yeah. But then he played it after that. He didn't, he didn't successfully defend. But at one I point, mean, he would have had – Yeah. You know, I'm certain Tiger's defended every title he's won. Well, I doubt that. No, no. Yeah, but you would have to defend it into perpetuity or retire, right? <laughs> right. To have a hundred percent rate, you would have to defend it into perpetuity or retire, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Scotty is on pace for that, which is uh, pretty incredible. Uh, but yeah, looking back to his win, this one and Phoenix, the the first ones, not a uh, not this year's Phoenix, they're pretty similar. Where he was kind of just hovering going into the weekend, and the course here uh, just turned into an absolute brute. It was rock hard. I know John Rahm was complaining about it. Uh, Victor struggling out of the bunkers. Gary Woodland was right there at the end. He made like a double on 17, I think, after he made an eagle on 16. Uh, so it, it really turned into kind of a U.S. Open test. Uh, and he was he was the last man standing with a, a couple clutch par saves there at the end. So it's he kind of gets lost in the shuffle just because I think he's uh, his personality is a bit more 
uh, flatlined, I would say, compared to Rom. Like Rom gets fiery on the golf course. Rory's great with the quotes with the media. And then Scotty's kind of just right there. We saw it at the end of the Phoenix Open when uh, uh, Amanda was trying to like evoke some emotion out of him. And he's just like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, like I like to win golf tournaments. Uh, so he's, he's easy to pass over, but the skill isn't. I mean, he's still top two in the world and he'll probably contend this week. It, I, I think sometimes because of his personality, it, it almost uh, detracts from how good he is uh, because he is more just, he doesn't get too high or too low. And, you know, Patrick, you look at last 50 rounds, he's the best ball striker in the field. And it's a pretty freaking good field yeah. uh, just in terms of like, I mean, these are all the best ball strikers in the world. So he's been the best of the best. And I think it, we just, we haven't thought about him like that very much recently. Other, I guess until him winning Phoenix a couple weeks ago. That's such a good, good point because yeah, I, I'd agree that he's so softly spoken and so kind of, you know, under the radar personality wise that no one pays attention, but the folks really watch the game. I think his technique kind of confuses folks into thinking he's not very good because, you know, he's sort of got this idiosyncratic golf swing and his feet all over the show. And whenever there's a broadcast on, even mine, sadly, um, there's focus on the footwork. And so it's like, well, this is not right. And, you know, Rory makes it look glorious and John Rahm's powerful and stuff like that, where Scotty hits it, man. And when he hits the thing, it goes. And he's awfully reliable, even though he looks a little um, ungainly at times. And and as a result, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And then you add to all of that stuff, his powers of recovery are crazy. And again, not because he's got all of the shots in the world, like a Spieth or someone like that. He just, he's competitive. He he finds a way and he does it every single time he plays. The, to put a bow on the title defense success rate conversation, uh, Andrew in the chat with a great pull. So he says Sam Burns. Now, Sam Burns won Valspar, successfully defended it, and has it has not come up again for title defense since then. That'll come up in two weeks. But he, he, he didn't he didn't defend uh Sanderson, right? That's the problem. That's where this falls apart. He did also so he still is the reigning champion of Charles Schwab, so he would not have to defend that until May. The problem is the year after he won the Sanderson, he finished T30, did not defend that. But that's probably as close as we've got it, as far as active players go. He needs to never play the Valspar again. Perfect two for two. We're on to the next one. We're on yeah. to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> he might not. I mean, is I guess he ha- I guess you have to play it if you're the defending champ. No, you do not. Not when it's not when it's the week after it's the week after the players, right? Well, here, here's the scenario, Rick. It could be, I bet he plays it this year. I bet, I bet he plays it this year. Well, let's say the tour. I have no idea if this is going to happen. Let's say the tour adds, go ahead, Mark. If a guy's won the thing twice, in fact, if they've won it once, they're going back. They like the golf course. You don't stumble into a victory on the PGA Tour. Now, yes, with these elevated events this year, there may be some creative scheduling on the go. But I'd be prepared to bet some another bottle of wine that this guy's going to go back to Valspar. Anybody? I, 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 no, I think he will too. But let's say, what if the tour adds two elevated events next year and all of a sudden you have to play 15? I, I have no idea if that's going to happen. I think it could. Uh, then maybe he wouldn't, right? Unless they make Valspar one of them. You go to the places you play well. You'll hear it. You, on the other side of the coin, a Kevin Kisner will say, 
man, I want to avoid the U.S. Opens and stuff, and I want to play Travelers and Colonial and and RBC Heritage until my the end of my days because the golf course fits how my game. If I agree, with you. I think Sam Burns will probably go to Valspar this year, which would yeah. be Arnold Palmer Players Championship Valspar. Presumably match play four in a that's row. A, that's a that's a lot. Week off, Masters, RBC Heritage, which is an elevator. So that would be six out of seven if he goes back. And then you know Billy Horschel's not letting him get out of Zurich the next week, right? <laughs> Billy's got him in a contract. That's seven out of, that's seven out of eight. I think I think even for Horschel, I think and Louisiana New Orleans goes away. Well, that's what I was saying on Sunday about Sungjae. He needs to, you know, catch a breather here. He's he's played eight of nine, and we're about to hit the the major stretch here. That is a breather for Sungjae. <laughs> <It's ridiculous. laughs> you took Pebble off. I, I'm I'm fat. I mean, to that point, I'm really interested. Tiger talked about this at Riviera. I'm really interested to see. I sound like Tiger. I'm really interested uh, to see what the. Uh, what the schedule looks like for next year. Like what, and, and this is sort of the, I, I think the tour has been maybe, maybe purposefully kind of quiet. I, I don't know. And maybe we'll hear more about this at the players championship next week, but it, there needs to be some real transparency and clarity around, okay, this is, this is how you get into non-elevated events. This is how you get into elevated events. This, and, and to lean into that context that I was talking about earlier, because I think that just provides such good storylines and narratives for your league. Such good, I mean, the, essentially just context for your league. And I hope that they, and I think they probably will move some of those elevated events around. And and it's going to be, I think, I think 2024 is going to be, Tiger said this again, I, I think it's going to look, not substantially different, but but decently different from what 2023 looks like. I completely agree, especially because remember, they told us the elevated events after the schedule had already been released. And now I think <laughs> now I think with an opportunity to say, okay, we'll get our elevated events, but we gotta space them out a little bit better. We gotta make sure we're not, you know, making guys play four straight weeks going into major championships. We'll have some, you know, that I, I think it's going to be quite different. Well, and you're, you're definitely playing Tetris, right? Because you're, you're trying to, you're trying to satiate all these different um, stakeholders between sponsors and players and uh, you know, tournament organizers and cities. And it's a, it's a, not an enviable job. And somebody was saying this to me on Twitter today, that they didn't want or they didn't think that sponsors would be lining up to basically sponsor these down weeks or these down events. And I, I agree. Like, I don't know that uh, Microsoft is standing in line to pay $8 million to, you know, for Eric Cole and Chris Kirk to battle it out at PGA national. But I think that's such a short-term mindset. You have to take the long-term approach of, Hey, this contextualization of our league is making the overall product better. And in the end, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, that's going to be a good thing. And there's going to be more money at the end of this, even in the, if in the short term, you, you lose a little bit. Bingo. Yep. That's exactly right. Speaking of having a good product right now, Patrick, John Rom's product better than basically everybody else's win at Riv, win at the American Express, win at the Tournament of Champions. That's three of his last five. If you want to start looping in the DP World Tour, you get another one in Dubai, another one in Spain. And obviously, 
the betting favorite heading into the Arnold Palmer invitation. And, and he has an opportunity here to kind of add a little bit more history as uh, one of the few players to win each uh, player invitational event. I think Ernie Els did it. Hale Irwin, Freddie Couples. I think those are the only three to have won each of them. So a win here, he, he adds his name to that list. And he was talking today about playing the course as well, that Tiger plays well. And Mark kind of already touched on it with all the trouble left. And he's like, I can miss right here all day long and be fine. So he loves it. Uh, so, I mean, there's nothing really wrong you can say about John Rom. His driving, his driving numbers are trending a little down. We saw it a little bit at the Genesis, relative for John Rom, that is. Uh, but, I mean, he's putting the lights out of the ball, and the iron play is red hot. You, you should tell him that because the last time you told him that his stats were trending down, he then gained seven <laughs> strokes putting every single week. I know. Many, many people are saying this John Rom run is because of Patrick McDonald. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that quite a bit. Mark, I'll loop you into this conversation and also talk a little bit about the golf course. You know, Bay Hill, uh, I was reading today, they've, they've got the, the rough up to four inches, and obviously it's going to be – <laughs> yeah, firm and fast, and there's there's a ton of wind in the forecast on Friday, and it's just, it's just it's going to ask a lot of these guys. It always is. Uh, Mr. Palmer took pride in his place being difficult, uh, you know, and for a while it was him and Jack Nicholas kind of battling it out, just like they used to with golf clubs in their hands, to who was going to put forth the most difficult test in uh, either Muirfield Village or Bay Hill. And look, even when it's receptive, that place is all you want. It's long. It's demanding. You've got a bunch of long irons. Long, long, wrong. yeah, and it's, it's demanding and lots of long irons and stuff like that. And and the fairways are narrow. I, I don't think TV does justice to how narrow the fairways actually are. And four inches, man. I've been there at times where it's been like U.S. Open like, and they've got this rye over seed that it, it tends to hold a lot, of, a lot of moisture. So oftentimes, if you drive it in there, it's kind of wedging back out. So it's in a strange way, it's a U.S. Open at times in in uh in florida and unlike a lot of u.s opens which have bent grass greens this place has got the champions bermuda that they can suck the moisture out and those things get firm and quick so it's a test from t to green and from head to toe it's it's all you want and it's 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 really a good prep in my opinion for the players championship the following week too mark it, tell me that explain to me the difference between the way you have to drive it at Phoenix and Riviera and the way you can drive it at Bay Hill, because it's, it seems to me, and maybe this isn't true. I'm curious about your take on it. It seems to me like you can kind of be more, I don't know if wild is the right word, but you can, you can kind of spray it a little bit more off the tee on certain holes at Bay Hill and get away with it a little bit more so than you can at Phoenix and Riviera. Do you agree? Disagree? Am I way off on that? I kind of disagree a bit and I'll tell you why. Um, at Phoenix, You've got desert on either side of the golf course. But between, you know, cacti on either side, you've probably got 60 yards. If you drive it in the rough there, it's not the end of the world because the putting surfaces are massive. Now, I know they've got a whole bunch of movement on there, but to advance the ball to the green for those guys from in that rough over there, it's not a big deal. And remember, it's at elevation sum, so the ball really travels. Um, Riviera is the areas of it that are like channels, like you get holes like 11 and 12 and 13, but you've got these massive blue gums on either side and you have to fit balls into the fairway and they always tilted it so that's what makes driving the ball in the fairway hard there because you could hit a fade against a draw hole and it just sort of it just runs through the elbow of a dog leg bay hill's straight in front of you i mean this thing is long and it's straight and there's heavy rough on either side 
And unlike a lot of PGA Tour places where it's like some rough and then gallery lines, and if you had it wider that, you've got a decent lie. You can't do that at Bay Hill because beyond the ropes, on a lot of the holes, is out of bounds. So, so, so you've got to be pretty good off the tee here. And if you look at guys, I don't know what the numbers bear out, Rick, but from my kind of just experience, guys who drive it well have had success around there. And, and so I think a lot of it is because on either side of the hole there's trouble and the rough is just always so punitive. It's not like you could get a five iron onto the green a whole bunch of times. You, you know, you're playing defense from the rough. The at least in the model that I run, there's a million ways you can run models. Club head speed was more closely correlated to success than basically any other stat uh, over the last handful of years. You know who really club head speed? Club head speed means power. Power means you get shorter clubs into the greens. Shorter clubs out of the rough are way easier than medium irons, like I said. And so, yeah, if if you can hit the stuff hard, and they typically hit the ball high too, if you've got good club head speed. And higher on hard greens, firm greens means the ball you can stop the thing quicker. So I, I think rough. it's interesting that Fitzpatrick has played so well there. I mean, I know he's gotten faster, obviously, but uh, him and Hatton have both. You know, they're not. You don't think of those two guys first in terms of clubhead speed. Uh, you do maybe like with weather, with wind and conditions, but. Uh, both those guys have had a lot of success there. It's, that's a really good pull. And to my estimation, the reason why the, the Euros do well there is because that time of the year, it's blustery and gusty in, in, in central Florida. And so you're playing in winds and you've got to flight the ball a little bit. But also, you know, if you're driving the ball in the rough some, and it starts to wear on your last nerve, right? And both those two guys are sort of blue chip battlers. Now, Fitzpatrick, you know it is. Atten makes it look like a bit of a circus, but he is he's a tough out. And he's going to fight you till his last nerve. And so I think the fact that they got this sort of stick to itiveness, this kind of blue collar thing about them, and that's why they do well around there. We'll put a bow on John Rahm with this, Patrick. Uh, I'm sure you remember that Scotty Scheffler set the single season PGA Tour money record last year. Remember that? How could I forget? Yeah. Right. 14 something. 14, okay, let's 20. play. Let's play. Closest without going over. To Scotty Scheffler's 2022 uh, official PGA Tour earnings. Kyle, go, please. Uh, not including uh, FedEx Cup, right? Correct. Official money only. That is bonus money. I'll say 14.4. Uh, Kyle's guess is 14,400,000. Patrick. Without going over? That is correct. Um, damn, that's a good guess, Kyle. Uh, five times. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Fourteen point four one. No. Uh, let's go. That's a four, dirty. Fourteen eight. Fourteen million eight hundred thousand. Dirty. dirty. Mark Immelman. I'm not good at this stuff. Fourteen million. Well, if you're going to go fourteen, you should have just said one dollar because that would have given you everything up to. But <laughs> again, I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> it is still it is still going to work out because the other two went over 14,046,910 mark closest without going over. Guess what, gentlemen? Uh, John Rahm's already at 9.8 million. We haven't played a major championship yet, so I'll send it's, it back to you. But the majors bring you take you down. That's true. That's true. It's just whoever's going to no. win the Wells Fargo, the Travelers, the whatever. Yeah, it, we need a. 
I don't know. It, it's it's a cool it's a cool stat. It's a cool category. We need a we need a a normalization though. We need something. Invent it right now. Percentage nor- of percentage of percentage of purses won. Uh, what about yeah. like distance That's- per shot or something? <laughs> oh, don't get. <laughs> please do not do this. You will trigger me so hard. You will trigger me so hard if we do this. I was trying. I was, try- I was trying an- to. I was trying to sneak that one in when you were talking clubhead speed. <laughs> what an what an just preposterous thing what 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 are we what are we trying to do there like Um. like the idea that the idea okay i gotta i gotta just go for a second on this the idea that you can't like listen i understand that my dad doesn't understand i don't even know if this is true i need to ask him i'm supposed to call my parents tonight maybe i'll ask him if my dad doesn't understand strokes gained and like how it's just uh your score compared to the rest of the field whatever like my dad's just a regular golf fan it doesn't matter it's not as if we're dealing it's not as if regular golf fans are are like like running media companies and dealing with world rankings like we're we're dealing with people that should know this stuff and so you're (laughs) either you're either dumb which is not true these are not dumb people or you're willfully ignorant why are you zooming in on rick zoom in on me i'm the one that's yelling Uh, figure it out josh (laughs) you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just math like why why does math not work so so for those who have no idea what we're talking about si golf released their own ranking system si golf bless their hearts right i mean great i they they just they stepped in it here that's okay they do great work they stepped in it here where they came up with their own ranking system and instead of using strokes gains with they which they said cannot be done on all tours which impossible it can be um they also introduced their very own new statistic that is going to revolutionize golf rankings distance per shot and i said distance per shot that's so stupid that can't possibly mean what i think it means no it does so they're saying that if if you have a golf course that is seven thousand yards and it takes you 70 strokes that is 100 in distance per shot. So that means uh, shooting lower scores on longer golf courses makes you a better golfer, taking into account nothing else at all. It is actually, I'm so sorry, I don't usually have hot takes like this, the dumbest thing I've ever read on the internet. (laughs) I kind of love it. Like a very good publication just like does that. Like, you don't have to respect it, but I <laughs> almost do like it because it's so bad. And like, you know, it has to go through levels of review and everything. And everyone, they're just like, distance per shot. <laughs> <laughs> We've done it again. Yeah. Rick, I've got, I've got to say this with two writers on the show alongside me. That stuff that they vomited onto a page somewhere is a lot of the reason why I don't read a lot of the stuff that's written. Because folks are just—it's—it's it's, honestly, Carl, it's just clickbait. Go, go with me; it's just folks trying to get clicks. Surely. No, I—I I think that I think that's a really good point, Mark. Because I think part of what's—oh God, I sound like I'm 80. Part of what's <laughs> wrong. Part of what's wrong with the internet and media and like this whole world that we're in is that there's so much clutter and junk that nobody wants to wade through it all to find the good stuff. There is good stuff out there, right? Like that exists. And we, 
have kind of sorted through some of the stuff in our world to find the good stuff. But if I go into another world, like if I dive into anything, just like movies, I don't know where to go to find the good stuff. I'm Googling things and most of it's junk. And you, you, and so that's one, I think, tremendous downside of the internet, Mark, is that uh, I don't know why, how I'm talking about like the history of the internet right now, but uh, it, it's is a that series there's, of tubes, Kyle. <laughs> well, is that there's so much stuff that gets created because it democratized information that nobody wants to wade through it all. So we just give up on it. And I think that's a, I think that's a fair point that you're making. Thank you, man. I feel good now. I'm going to need a therapy session after this. I'm one. scared. To, I'm scared to look at the comments right now. I don't know what people are <laughs> saying. Oh. The actual, the actual, we don't, I mean, we don't need to go into this, but the, the best case scenario is they made a silly little mistake and somebody signed off on it. Kyle, the worst case scenario is that they worked in collaboration with the live guys via the LA golf sponsorship to try to come up with a reputable ranking system that actually advanced their own agenda. That's the malicious side of this outside the fact that the, the math didn't match. Hey. Well, on that to that point, the, for people that don't know, the, the L.A. Golf Partnership, which was done in collaboration with SI, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and, and uh, Dustin Johnson are on the board at L.A. Golf, which is not a great look at best, I would say, in terms of like creating a new ranking system. I understand that's how the original ranking system started. That's not what it is today. It's stewarded by the organizations that matter in golf and to say that the si golf world i mean the kpmgr the kyle porter monday golf rankings are as credible as the si world golf rankings they just are like i'm sorry hey um did you see and, and what you say there rick the malicious intent <laughs> i hate to say it's possible but it's highly it's probable i mean did you see the tweet the other day from whoever it was um, that happened to end up in my. <laughs> this account. is this is not a good start. <laughs> Did you see the tweet the other day from whoever it was? <laughs> because there's this there's live insider and there's live golf this and there's inside live league and all these things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They ranked Pat Perez. God love him. As a no, top. this this That's is a troll. Mark. You, this oh, you've been you've been baited. Uh, uh, yes, this, this is what you're talking about. This is why you don't age. Oh, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, that is yeah, not well. in good. That is not in good. Uh, you know, in good conscience, was that good faith? Said. Yeah. And Pat oh. Perez, I mean, top twenty, like, but not yeah. top ten. <laughs> like in all seriousness, Rick. Yeah, very good, Patrick. In all seriousness, Rick, the distance per shot thing. Like, I guess explain to people why it's such a like compared okay. to strokes gain. Why it's such a bad thing to me? It's because you're trying to compare. Um, you're not comparing players against each other, right? You're comparing them against courses, and it just doesn't. It's not as – it's too simplistic, right? Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. The, the strokes gain system – and to be clear, the strokes gain total system where you are just looking at a, a, an average of scores on a given day, that can be retrofit to every golf tournament ever played. You can go back and look at the 1956 third round at the Masters and get the strokes gained for that. It's a way to comp. I did this. I looked okay. it up for the for the nineteen. I think it was thirty six Masters. Horton Smith gained seventeen and a half strokes against the field. That's just go. it's just math. Correct. It's just math. There's no magic to it. There is not a series of lasers or cameras that are needed to capture it. It is literally just saying how much better or worse than the field average were you. That is that is literally it. And it's good because it takes into account things like. 
oh, Tory Pines, uh, the the day that Brant Snedeker won, played to an 81. But yeah. when you get prime conditions, guys go out there on the north course and shoot five, six, seven, eight under par. So it takes into account all that. This distance per shot, this would it would be like if I was introduced to a sport that I've never seen before, and they said, Rick, come up with a system to to figure out uh, who's better than another. Because I would say, oh, well, a longer golf course has to be more difficult. That is clearly not the case. Um, it does not take into account, first off, elevation. It does not take into account nine-inch rough. It does not take into account U.S. Open. Kapalua is what? 7,700 yards plays closer to seven or excuse me, uh, plays closer to 7,000 and is one of the easiest golf courses these guys are going to go to. But if they go to uh, Riviera or Harbor Town or Marriott, like it's just there is there is just nine million factors that are not being taken into account. Well, and to your point, take the Tory example. So the the stroke average on Saturday, uh, whatever Sunday at, at Tory was 81 when Snedeker wins. The, if you're using strokes gain, that takes that into account, right? It takes into account the conditions that everybody else is playing in. If you're using distance per shot, it just it doesn't take that into account at all, right? Correct. Yeah. You if you if you get 50 mile an hour wins on a short golf course and you shoot the best round of the day, you will actually be penalized more because your distance per shot was worse than someone who did not play that event at all. Right. Which is, you're on mute, it, Mark. It's just absurd. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, Mark. It's my first time on the Tuesday show in a while. I forgot about the mute button. Uh, just got to say this, just to put a bow on it. Yes, what you say is absolutely correct. I'm so glad you're thinking this way because, as you well know, you cannot convince me that all 175 yard approach shots are the same. And you can't tell me that all 20 foot putts are the same, or even all five foot putts are the same, or all 300 yard drives are the same. Yes, you got the bell curve thing about it, where it, it's a blanket sort of a comparison, and it's better than what we've had. But still, you can't hang your hat on the, argu the, the, the argument because every player who plays the game at this sort of level will tell you, man, there's sometimes they'll rather hit a shot from 100 yards in the fairway, uh, uh, 150 yards in the fairway versus you know, 100 yards in some ankle-high rough or whatever, even though they're closer to a left front pin with a bunker behind it. 900 things that don't get accounted for in a simple distance per shot calculation. We will account for all 900 and then some with our best bets and one and done selections. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything 
works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Two quick items. KP, thanks to a big week last week, you are back in the black. You are thriving. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Continue your excitement, my man. Just quick interview there. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Scotty Scheffler-esque. Yeah, um, it was (laughs) humorously or coincidentally, I was not on the podcast after maybe my most successful week of of, uh, golf bets ever. So... I don't know if you guys talked about that, but um, yeah, Chris Kirk uh, did me some good last week because I had him in a bunch of different places. So I'm not going to, I don't need to get out over my skis here because Patrick uh, probably chased me down, but yeah, I'm excited. We're, we're, we're taking it one tournament at a time. Excited with where we're at. I must say Chris Kirk last week, Kyle, that was a genius pull. Uh, That was, uh, that was, I was impressed very much. Thank you. Mm, uh, the other item is Mark is now making his Tuesday debut. So there will be a new line, Mark, uh, right, right there at the bottom of the spreadsheet track. You you wanted this. We're now going to track everything you do for every Tuesday. My, the nerves are off the charts right now. Hold on. My whoop, my heart rate's flying, according to my whoop reading. I'm so nervous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's what we do for the best bets. Uh, we go to Caesar Sportsbook and we take our 100 little nuggets that Josh gives us. We put 50 of them on a matchup, 30 on a finishing position, and 10 each on two separate outrights. Mark, we're just going to seed the stage and let you have this thing. First crack, your matchup, please, for this week's Arnold Palmer Invitational. I'm say- I picked that one just to wind Carl up a little bit. I'm going with Lowry over Spieth. No, I actually agree. (laughs) Spieth Spieth might be the lost boy again. It's not great. Well, I I spent 27 holes with Shane Lowry last week, and his game looks fairly sound. And and, and he puts the greens there in Florida well. And more than anything else, I mean, he was quite chatty on the golf course and seemed like he's in a good space. So I like Lowry this week. Um, Do you want me to go across the board? No, I do not. I will uh, move along on our matchups here. So Lowry... Over Jordan Spieth, even money. Patrick, we'll go to you and look at this. Another, this didn't work out for you before. You're going to go back to fading Tom Kim. Somehow Tom Kim always 
figures out a way into my picks. Uh, incorrectly, I mind you. But uh, yeah, Keith Mitchell minus one twenty over Tom Kim. Just a guy who's playing well, a pretty good course fit, a pair of top six finishes here over the last four years, had a couple top fives on the West Coast. Uh, he's a Georgia boy, so he likes this part of the country. Won here, the, uh, won the Honda Classic in 19, so likes Florida. And Tom Kim, big ballpark. Uh, his numbers are regressing a little bit ball striking-wise, uh, so give me Keith Mitchell, minus 120. Minus 120 over Tom Kim. Kyle, you and I are going head-to-head yes. the matchup is Keegan Bradley and Corey Connors. I have chosen the Keegan Bradley side. You say not so fast. You've taken the Corey Connors side. Just just an, uh, an astonishing amount of putts, putts will be missed in this match. Oh, my gosh, yeah. These two, <laughs> my God. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bradley is kind of low-key playing. Not low-key. He is playing very well. Connors is low-key playing well. And he plays pretty well at, at Bay Hill. I think he's got two top 15s in his last three starts maybe two, maybe each of his last uh two starts but uh yeah i'm taking the plus money basically connor's has gone t11 and third in his last two keegan missed the cut here 11 years ago and has made 10 in a row since then keegan loves himself a little bay hill yeah these are these are two uh really strong solid members of team no putt and yep. uh we'll be on opposite sides of them. who's the captain of like oh, who's the like if there's a Ryder Cup? Luke List. Huh? Oh yeah, Connors is up there. Luke, Luke List, List might be the captain. Genesis was bad. Luke List, Luke List lost might be seven uh, strokes putting and gained eleven in the ball striking categories at Riviera. He might be like a lifetime member of Hall, t- Hall of, of Famer. Yeah. That, yeah, that should be a contest on its own. <laughs> Those are my ranking. my Monday my Monday the rankings no are cut. the team no putt ranks. <laughs> Lucas Glover has to be on there. Yeah, there's 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 a lot. Uh, finishing positions, KP. I'll bounce it right back here to you. Any finishing position for any golfer that you'd like? Where'd you go? Yep, I've got Sungjae top twenty. He's finished in the top twenty-one four straight years here. He's playing really good golf. Uh, I say that I didn't see where he finished at the Honda last week. Up until then, he had been playing really good golf, and uh, I think he's kind of I think he's kind of coming in a little underrated. Uh, Patrick thinks he's playing too much golf. Patrick, you went with uh, a resurgence candidate. Who'd you go with? Uh, Ricky Fowler, top 20, plus 270. Uh, since the start of 2023, strokes gained approach. Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Tom Hoagie, Ricky Fowler right yeah. there. So uh, g- give me the Rickster this week for a top 20. Plus 270 if he finishes on the first two pages of the leaderboard. I went a little bit deeper. Top 40, Sam Ryder. Had that close call at Farmers and then finished T20 at both the elevated events in Phoenix and LA. He's feeling himself right now. Be inside the top 40. Get yourself plus 165. Mark, uh, you're on my side, my friend, because you've got Keegan Bradley here. First off, uh, pop quiz. Sam Ryder went to college just down the road from Bay Hill. Where was it? He didn't we, go to Flake. We talked about this. No, he um, went to uh, – Did he go to, did he go to Ryder? He went Stetson. to Jacksonville. No. That's it. <laughs> Stetson, there we go. The Hatters, yeah, he's a good, he's a good pick around there. Really is. Hmm, thank Comfortable you. with Central Florida, lives just up the way. I think uh, in like maybe uh, Heathrow, Florida, or somewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with thinking you. of where did Russell Knox go? That's who I was thinking. Jackson. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I'm I'm with you, Rick. Um, you you, you mentioned that uh, he's made ten cuts in a row. The last couple goes there at Bay Hill. Keegan's had a tenth, you know, 
a couple of tenths so right around that area a little bit. He's been relevant. And man, the guy's playing great this year. He uh, won in the fall. And you know me, I've got my underrated flushes list. There it is. And Egan is on that list. And uh, man, the way he hits it uh, and with the confidence right now. And and I got to say this, I, I hate to make it about size and, and wellness, but he's lost so much weight. I saw him the other day. He looks so healthy and so trim that, that 72 holes and an extended stretch of golf, I think is not going to affect him too much. So I'm loving Keegan this week. Uh, Keegan Bradley, top 20 plus 210, T11, T10 in his last two trips to Bay Hill. I don't know if I told this story, but when we were at Torrey Pines, uh, Sam Ryder goes out, shoots eight under in round one. He's the first round leader. Armina and I are in the gym Friday morning and, you know, the guys are in there working out or whatever. And Armina's using the, this machine and Sam Ryder asked if she's done and if, if he can use it. And she goes, no, I'm not, I'm not done with that yet. And I'm like, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, this guy's in the Hell lead yeah. of the golf tournament. Like, let him, let him get his reps in. He needs to do his thing right now. She's Don't like, also, in the gym. also, I saw this in your chipping stroke. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to throw that in there. She was like, oh, I didn't know that was hit. I was like, oh boy, okay. <laughs> Tough scene. <laughs> Guy can't even get the machine. He's leading, he's leading Tory. Uh, two outrights. So 10 bucks on each of these. Kyle, we'll go to you. You found us a winner last week. Where would you go this week? Yeah, I actually, after seeing Patrick's, I would like to change one of mine. Is that legal? Is it is this oh, different than the man. one and done? Yeah, you come on are... in. The water's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Change it. Okay, I, I'm gonna go away from Rory and throw Cam Young in at 36 to one, only because of the number. I think I think Rory's gonna play well this week, but Cam Young at 36 is is enticing. And then I've got Big Tone at 20. Um, he's been playing just really consistently solid golf uh, for eight months now, and I, I he hasn't won this year. So I think people are kind of, it's just so easy to forget about guys that aren't, that haven't won even in like six months. And I guess for him, it's been like five months, but uh, I like him at 20 to one. It's a good, good ballpark for him. Uh, that is Cam Young and Tony Finau, big tone, hunky Tony for Kyle. Mark, your two outrights are both 28 to one. Who are they please? Oh boy, tough scene. You're on mute. Only twice. Um, I've, my, my dog Cletus has just had leg surgery, so he's whimpering outside my door. So I'm trying Cletus. to not. Uh, yeah, it's it's. A, he's got the cone of shame going on. It's a sad deal. Um, I I'm going with the in, in English connection this week, um, as I had mentioned uh, earlier in the earlier in the show. But I, I took a lot for me to look away from Rory and Ram, just the just just the way Rory plays the course, and of course the way Ram is playing. But you know, with Matthew Fitzpatrick, he's had success here before. Tyrrell Latin is naturally too, and whereas Fitzpatrick is not playing great, uh, the last time Tyrrell was out that I saw him play at Phoenix, I thought thought he looked really solid. Uh, and, and and so is they they're comfortable around the golf course. Um, it's the kind of place where, with it being windy on Friday morning, that's the forecast. It's going to be gusty and kind of nasty. That um, I, I I get the sense that it's going to take a little stick to itiveness, and as I mentioned, uh, they they both have healthy doses of that. So, I'm going with the Englishman. Fitzy and Terrell Hatton. I'll go with a couple of flushers: Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, Patrick. I use the latter, Willie Z, to get you into your picks for this week. Going with a couple Demon Deacons, uh, a couple Ooh. Arnold Palmer Award winners as well. Uh, Will Zalatoris, 20-1. to 1. 
Final round 64 at the Genesis. Ball striking looks good. And since the beginning of 2023, 25th in strokes gained putting in this field. Very, very sneaky. Uh, and then Cameron Young, 36 to 1. I think he is using a similar putter as Zalatoris these days. Uh, the short game's been kind of iffy, but if Victor Hovling can kind of figure out around the greens here, I think Cameron Young can too. We don't need the Victor drive by. <laughs> not do that <laughs> it's fine um all right gents that is zalatoris zalatoris rory fitzy hatton finau sorry scratch the rory insert a second cam young and colin morikawa as the outrights for the boys now we take our extra 50 bones and we put it on anything in the entire world that we would like and mark you always find us something quite creative whether it's a no playoff bet whether it is a nationality wager what do you have for us this week well you know like a good prop bet yes. um and <laughs> i've been to the savannah bunch you know calling it in the past for radio and it always seemed like i seemed to have the winner and when i was in radio you know i wasn't i had a bunch of legends of the industry and i was always kind of the chase guy i never got the final group really and this i had the leader on saturday which was ordinarily not the case because i always had the chase group and at this event i just remember having a lot of my winner's flag being signed by guys at Bay Hill because I had some guy that chased down the lead. So I definitely noticed a trend there that with the way the golf course goes, you've got 14, which is tough, the par four, then 15, anything can happen on the five. Um, pardon me, 16, I should say, 15 is a tough four, 14 is a tough three, and then 17 is just a mean par three, and 18, of course, is 18. Um, and oftentimes if conditions are a little blustery and such if you get a score in oftentimes it holds up because finishing over there is challenging because you see leaderboards everywhere you know it and so for someone who hasn't really been there very much or even someone who has if there's a score in and you kind of know what the drill is the only real real gift hold is 16 the par five otherwise it's coming at you so um i, I like the finisher to post so i think at plus 200 that's worth a little flutter that's right. Plus 200 that the winner will not be in the final group. KP, what is your best wager on the board? Also, you're you're carrying us here in the best bets as well. You're our uh, our, our mogul at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Golf betting mogul is how I make my kids refer to me. Uh, <laughs> Jason Day, top 20. Jason Day has been playing just tremendous golf. And... Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at just stats across, like since January 1, he's like a top six, top seven guy in the world. So I like him to finish in the top 20. I think he's got uh, three straight top 10s, maybe two in a row, uh, plus 125 to finish in the top 20. On the uh, mark podcast, look out for it. It's, it's yeah, out. there you go. On the mark, wherever you get your podcasts. Gary Kigo, top 40 at two to one for me. He's playing great golf. That's all. Uh, that's what you got to do. Finish inside top 40 and you get yourself uh, two to one. Patrick, put a bow on our best bets and double down on something you have already hit. Killer Keith Mitchell, minus 120 over Tom Kim. Uh, I kind of want Keith Mitchell to make this Ryder Cup team in Rome. I don't know if it's going to happen. But I think it'd be electric, and we'd be able to get one of those big visors uh, with USA on it. Oh, boy. Name the visors on tour. Uh, Bo. Yep. Keith. Yep. Lebiota. Yep. Poulter. That doesn't count. Ooh. Wrong tour. <laughs> and I'll double down on that. You know the Keith visor is actually like a velour material. 
It's not just plain cotton. It's got like a little texture to it. It is high. No surprise. No he is surprise, the though. best best dressed on tour uh, by far. Uh, speaking of which, that Rory long sleeve polo that he wore at the Genesis. What do you guys think of that? I'm oh, out. I'm out. Really? Hey, do you know it was cashmere? It, it, it was it was a shirt made of cashmere. Interesting. I, it was awesome. Yeah, I, like I yeah, you guys are are far more far younger and more fashionable than I am. I I only the only long sleeves I need are uh, on hoodies. No, like okay. Well, the, like, the 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 thing like is, this is this is okay, but this is lighter than a hoodie, but still. You know, it's not it's not warm enough for the full on polo. Just the long sleeve polo, I, it, it's it's tough. It I, I just personally, it's a personal take. It's tough. The only other the only other visor I could think of is Spencer Levine. Mm. Oh, legend! What a pull! Thank you. The Happy Gilmore putting. Okay. What about the sleeves? Yeah, we saw him in Phoenix, didn't we? Yeah, he's always on a visor. I can't pull off the visor. I'm, I've got very limited headwear. I, I can't do the rope hats. I can't do the visors. Beanies I can do, but it's generally not cold enough. Can you go 59.50? I feel like we talked about this. No, I have to go with like the 39.50 or whatever it is. Yeah. So my son is on the uh, – he's playing baseball, and he's on the Pirates, and I'm helping coach. I just ordered a Pirates 59. Well, it's like a – there's a new thing. It's like a low-profile 59.50. I like that. Which I think is better. Yeah. So it's still a fifty nine fifty, but it's not like the it's not like up here. Yeah, I see. I, I need the low profile, <laughs> the unstructured, the unstructured look is generally the look I go for. Uh, okay, gents, just one final thing to do, and it is <laughs> arguably the biggest thing that we do. It is sent shockwaves across the industry. It has uh, <laughs> been an epic piece of content. It's the one and done. We'll hit that, but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, one and done. So last week we had eight separate selections. Nobody earned more than $88,000. If uh, anybody <laughs> makes $88,000 this week, they're in trouble. Um, I believe we have only a pair of us sharing golfers. Let's start from the bottom up. Uh, Sia Najad, $1 million, has taken Max Homa. And Patrick, <sighs> I don't want to out see it, but I'm going to. You have to. The drama about whether he could get his pick in or not on time. Did he did he botch this again? It required Josh. it required Josh texting him 15 minutes before we went live, which I said I would not have done. But without a nudge, we would have another Sia whiff. It's almost like a running joke at this point. He's doing it on purpose. And in the precedent that yeah, the new guy, Josh, just laid out for the lawyer himself. Uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous game. Slippery slopes. I, I, I think I think play. He's just trying to stay in the cellar and just sort of justify himself a little bit now, you know, so you don't get the picture. 
It might be true. It could be true. Mark, uh, you're the one that provided the example for him to do this. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. That's a good point, Kyle. Uh, Kyle M., 1.9 million has opted for Tony Fee. Now he will be the lone wolf. Sia will be a lone wolf as well. Greg and Patrick back to back 2.5, 2.8. Patrick, you will retain your lead over Greg no matter what because you have both gone with Will Zalatoris. Yeah, very excited to know I won't be at the bottom of the leaderboard uh, this time next week, which is True. huge. Uh, and Greg's the one who picked Justin Rose to pick Pebble Be- uh, to win Pebble Beach. So he's got some uh, some magic in there. So. Will easy. Let's do it. KP, here we go. 3.1 million. You have gone with a big old bopper, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I like being lone wolf with Scotty. Number two player in the world, defending champion. Uh, he's played this tournament twice, finished T10 in 2020, and then obviously won it last year. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, you as well as I, 5.8 million all by myself with a guy who rolls out of bed and wins this golf tournament. <laughs> put another, put another red cardigan on Rory McIlroy and let's go to the that's top what, of the leaderboard. That's what I think Rory should play in is a red cardigan. Oh. That, that, that would, I'm in on that. I think that if you've won mm-hmm. a, a, a piece of outerwear in a tournament, that you then have to wear it every time you play the tour. You have to like wear t- Tiger jacket. has to play the Masters in five jackets. That's right. That would he's, be tough. He's very aware that way. If you watch him, if you pay attention, like uh, the Yuri one that I called him here, uh, the one day was uh, St. Patrick's Day, and he wore a green shirt out there. And then the Players' Championship, when he won on the final day, you know, he had the gold underside of his shoes, you know, with a gold swinging man for the trophy. He, he knows Roy's aware of this sort of stuff, so it wouldn't surprise me if he went with a red cardigan on the final day. You tell me that Rory is self-aware. Uh, he's yeah, he's aware of himself. Uh, <laughs> Jury's out. On you that know what one. color he wore at the final round of the 2022 Tour Championship? Green, Pink. green baby. Oh, it green. was green. Give me that money. Give me that 18 mil. Uh, I was thinking of 20. Oh, when did he win at 19? I think he was in pink. That sounds about right. Ryan Moore. That was that was 16. That was green also. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Close enough. The fans, the fans, the only, is this right? Three point. No, I guess I could get to Mark as well, but in striking distance of Mark, just two and a half million back, the fans have opted to go with Matthew Fitzpatrick, Maddie Fitzpatty dealing with the neck injury. I guess we'll see the status of Fitzpatrick's game and Mark at the top, 8.8 million. You've gone. See, by my rules, he'd have to play in his cardigan with Terrell Hatton. Yeah. Um, I considered Fitzpatrick. Uh, now I'm kind of wishing I did just to kind of oust the fans another week. Um, no, but Terrell, I love his game around you. Like I said, he, he played well a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's just got that, you know, screw you, I'm going to play well mentality about him. And and when he comes to a place, a, a lot of folks, a lot of the Englishmen live down there in Orlando. They've all got places there, so it's kind of comfortable. They stay with each other. They're staying in, you know, not, it's not hotel rooms and stuff. So in in many ways, the the the, the English guys tend to thrive around this golf course. And so I've, I've a, I have a sense Tyrrell or Fitzy will go well this week. And hopefully it's Tyrrell. Or maybe a Northern Irishman. Rory. No, no, look, I mean, Rory, Rory took, like I said with you with the outright picks, it took a lot of discipline for me to uh, look away from Rory. It really did. I Mark, saw that at, uh, 
At at this stage in the game, are you looking in the rear view at all? Are you picking high ceiling guys, trying to fend off the the pursuers, or what's uh? Let, let me get in the mind of the the man with the money bag next to his name. Yeah, honestly, I normally have a plan for the year, but I had to adjust that some. Um, if you if you watch years past, I played the same folks uh, at similar events, but just because of I believe in the horses for courses kind of thing. But now with the elevated events, I'm sort of dotting the stars around between those a little. And um, thankfully, it's it's worked out pretty well in the first couple three. So hopefully it continues over the next run. Next week is going to be a tough pick for me, though. I'm, 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 I've got options. And I'm not sure where to go. Uh, for those just listening from top to bottom, Mark, Terrell Hatton, the fans, Matt Fitzpatrick, Rick, Rory, McElroy, Kyle, Porter, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick, and Greg have both, both gone with Will Zalatoris, Kyle M., Tony Finau, Sia Najad, Max Homa. Quickly, gentlemen, before we get out of here, throw me up the tea times. The tea times are out, please, Josh. Uh, here are a couple of notables. Scotty Scheffler, Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, Will Zalatoris will play with Victor Hovland, Jason Day, John Rahm will play with Xander Shoffley and Colin Morikawa, Justin Rose, Patrick Cantlay, and Ricky Fowler. And then finally at 12.50 p.m., I assume this is Eastern time, Max Homa, Rory McIlroy, Terrell Hatton going out together, Mark. Hey, yeah, uh, come and join us on ESPN Plus Thursday morning. We've got the main feed we've got all everyone going on, but that Scotty Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas group is ours. It's a marquee group. And I'm um, working alongside John Swantek, who's the pro's pro. And we've got Robert Dameron on the course. Now, Dameron is a riot at the best of times. He lives at Bay Hill. He plays the golf course every every day, basically. I mean, he's got some incredible Arnold Palmer stories. So uh, it'll be a it'll be a fun Thursday morning if you're not at work or if you're at work and you want to keep the golf uh, on the sideline. That's right. Being at work has never stopped me from watching. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, which one of these groups stands out to you the most? Ooh, um, I think the Homa McRoy Hatton. I mean, you got two of the happiest guys in the world, and then Terrell, you don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, the, the one year he won, he was flicking off the lake and, he, and shoot, shooting it. Yeah, He used his putter as a shotgun. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pumped for that one. He did that at Augusta National as well. He hates every golf course. He hates Augusta sure, National. I'm sure it went over well. As long as he's making birdies when he hates it, my one and done's going to be fine. Hates Riviera. <laughs> Uh, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, KP. That's 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 pretty strong. It's really good. I think the I think the first one's the most intriguing though, because you got the defending champ, you got Fitzpatrick, who's played great at this course, and then you got JT, who both hasn't played in a while and hasn't played that well uh, this year compared to I mean to his standard. Um. I think that one is the one I'm probably most intrigued by out of this group. Last time Justin Thomas played Bay Hill was 2015. He was like 110 pounds in 2015. <laughs> He's now 120. Yeah, 120. Yeah. <laughs> 120. Hey, one more thing, Rick. Um, yes. Jason Day in a feature group makes me excited. This guy, former world number one, injuries, told me on the interview that he did with me, he you know, he almost wanted to give up the game. He was battling so much, couldn't practice with, with injury and stuff, and and to reinvent himself, to rebuild his golf swing, it, it, it is a mammoth, mammoth effort. And I'm, I'm happy for him as a friend. I'm proud of him. And it's nice to see him being recognized for it now. A year ago, I would have uh, skewered the tour for having Jason Day, Justin Rose, and Ricky Fowler in these types of groups. But here we are. We come full circle. And they absolutely deserve it, all three of them. Uh, quick programming note. We're back, baby. Round by round recaps Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the foreseeable future, please go ahead 
subscribe to the Golf on CBS YouTube channel. Make sure that you are subscribed and downloading. Again, I don't really care if you listen. Just download the episodes wherever you get podcasts, and uh, we'll continue to pump this stuff out along the way. Final thoughts, questions, concerns before I shut this thing down? Uh, Open qualifying starts this week. So like top uh, three finishers not already qualified get in, right? Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. Is that I, I trust you. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Top three good. not already qualified. That's why you're one of the journalists I read, Patrick. Oh, Mark, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Oh, he's blushing. Kyle's right here. You're making him feel bad. Uh, I, he knows <laughs> I read him. I, I sit with my phone and my Twitter open waiting for Kyle to tweet. I, I even yeah. do it on the golf course. What, he, got uh, the, my, he got the noties on. My last thing is what's one non-major – I tweeted this out, speaking of, Mark. Uh, what's one non-major – professional golf shot that you think about more often than you should so can't have happened in a major championship i can answer that right now give it to me well there's the tiger woods a time out the bunker in mexico around the tree up the hill i was calling it that shot was crazy he sliced it like 40 yards but the three iron that johnny vegas hit last week i'm still getting chills from that thing that that was to to watch that to hear it to see his reaction it was I said to him afterwards, it was one of my best shots I've seen. And he laughed at me. He goes, it's probably the best shot he's ever hit. So uh, I would go with the Vegas three iron on the final hole Friday. I think, I think a lot about Rom uh, dumping into the drink at Sawgrass on what is that? 11 or 12? <laughs> 12. Yeah. Or 11. Yeah. 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 I think about that a lot. I also think, okay, I'll tell a quick story. So oh, out at, out so at Riv, good. out at Riv two weeks ago, it was uh, JT Rory, tiger woods and jt was over the green i can't remember what day thursday or friday uh over the green on five and he is short-sighted he's absolutely dead the green is eye level it, it's over there's no way he's going to get up and down he hits this unbelievable chippy i don't even know a chippy little flop i don't even know how he pulled it off here's the sick part about it not a single person clapped nor cared because the second it came off his club face. Everyone looked at Tiger to see what he was going to do. That man sucks up all the oxygen in the entire world when he's on a golf course. Yeah, he that does. was sick. I know exactly what you're talking about. And he made right? the putt too. Yeah, it was disgusting. disgusting. Uh, mine would be probably DJ's drive, Northern Trust playoff. That was How about DJ's drive Early in Kapalua that one. <laughs> Where he almost yeah. <laughs> Brando called it the greatest golf shot of all time. <laughs> well, I mean, John Rahm's not a good iron player, so you never know. <laughs> For sure. Um, my, I've got a, I've got a, I got to write a book of these, but uh, you, you literally could write a book about these. Yeah, I should. Uh, Rory's five wood at at uh, PGA National uh, in fourteen when he won. <laughs> was pretty sick i mean i forgot who was on the call mark you probably helped me but it, it, whoever it was um maybe roger maltby i don't know said it, it came down maltby. like it would have been maltby yeah i said it came down like a sand wedge and it was a five wood from like 240 i mean just something stupid and just the way he hit it the way he went after it it it's it's a pretty good one it's a pretty amazing That's shot beautiful. i like that all right, that'll do it. See you all on Thursday after the final putt drops. Big thanks to producer Josh. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Patrick McDonald available on Twitter at Amateur Static Mar Status. Mark, good to have you back at Mark underscore Immelman, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.